Welcome to Hot Topics in Kidney Health, brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. Each episode, we highlight the latest in kidney research, bring you up-to-date news in kidney care, dispel myths, and answer your kidney health questions. People with chronic conditions like kidney disease face mental health struggles such as depression or anxiety. In many people with kidney disease, those challenges often go overlooked or undertreated. In this episode, we sat down with a mentor and mentee from our NKF Peers program to discuss their experiences and the importance of talking to someone who knows what you've been through. Hi, I'm Marissa Argentina. I'm the Patient Programs Director at the National Kidney Foundation, and I work primarily on our NKF Peers program that provides peer mentoring for people with kidney disease, as well as people considering being living donors. And I'm so excited to be joined today by a wonderful mentor and mentee pair. So I'm going to hand it off to them to introduce themselves. Doris, would you like to go? Yeah, thank you, Marissa. My name is Doris, and I am a kidney patient recipient. I will have been transplanted six years this week, so I get to celebrate my kidneyversary. I'm doing great. I'm doing well. The kidney journey itself was a little bit rough, but I was diagnosed a good eight, nine years ago with kidney disease. I went through a year of peritoneal dialysis. Um, I got a kidney from a living donor, and I'm doing great. I was originally diagnosed with PKD, polycystic kidney disease, um, turned out to be a wrong diagnosis. Uh, and then I, uh, I I'll, I'll share more about this later on, but there's been a lot of moments throughout my kidney journey that have, where I have actually felt kind of let down by the health system and um, have had to learn how to advocate for myself and ask questions and go online and learn everything I could about kidney disease. Um, and so the real diagnosis I think now is IJ nephropathy. That's what my my uh, transplant surgeon and my nephrologist says. So, um, but here I am and I'm happy to talk more about my journey a little bit later, but, um, but that's me in a nutshell and uh, Nuska. Hi, my name is Nuska. I'm a mentee, <laughs> uh, newly actually. I knew I had high blood pressure for quite a long time and it was unmanaged for a long time. And my doctor put me on several medication and it wouldn't go down. Around 2003, um, I was diagnosed with kidney disease, but back then it was functioning at 98%. You know, I'm young, so I go on living my life, not thinking about it or anything like that. And um, and then I had my son in 2014, and that's when things started happening. That's when they told me that I had IGH nephropathy, the same thing. And and I, I didn't know anything about it either. And I started going on Google, <laughs> you know, everything is on Google and started reading about it and seeing um, the severity of it. And um, I'm a very private person, so I don't like talking, you know, letting people know, you know, when I need help or anything like that. This disease has forced me to change, you know, to advocate for myself like you, Doris, and to um, talk to people and learn about it. And also, um, you can't suffer in silence with this because you need other people's help. I need a donor, most importantly. So I had to uh, learn to speak, you know, share something that was 
very private, very intimate, uh, made me feel vulnerable, scared, and, um, you know, and I had to overcome that so that I can get the help that I needed. So I was given all these doctors and one of the things was they gave you the option of having someone coming over and explaining the disease to your immediate family and, and telling you the options that you have. And I think that's how I learned about peer mentoring. The woman suggested, you know, it would be a good idea to look into it, to speak with other people that are going through what I'm going through. And I reach out and I filled out a form online and someone contacted me and gave me the option of choosing a mentor. And I wanted to find someone that, you know, was going through what I was going through. I was a young mom with two young children. I was nervous what to tell them, how to tell them, because my life was changing. And I wanted them to be part of the whatever process that we were doing, that we would go through it as a family. I didn't want to keep them in the dark, because I feel like it would be more scary for them not knowing what's happening, but I wanted to have the right language, the right terminology to be able to explain to them, to answer their questions, and also for myself as well to speak on something that's happening to me that I'm scared about, I'm nervous about, because my kids were young and I'm in a young marriage and, you know, so it was very scary. So I was very fortunate to be paired with you, Doris. You answered all my questions. <laughs> you made it so easy for me, someone so private, to come back time and time again with more questions and and nothing was off limit. And you shared about, you know, your intimate experience, made it doable to me and also helped me to navigate uncharted waters, you know, because it was scary. You know, the doctors, they're doctors, that's what they do. But to have a human person that has gone through it, and as I was going through it, I was able to reach out to you, and you told me what to look forward to, and and what I can expect, and what you experienced. So it felt like, you know, you were a guide through the whole experience for me. Though it was scary, I knew you had gone through it, and I knew to some extent what to expect, you know, and what question to ask the doctors and. And um, so I started peritoneal dialysis two months ago, and it's been going very well. I have lots of energy. The numbers are trending upward for me. So I'm, I'm very grateful and excited, and, and I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully get a, a kidney. That's the ultimate goal. But so far, the dialysis is working great. Yeah, that's so great to hear. And and thank you. Such wonderful words of encouragement. Um, thank you. I love being paired with you, Nuska, because I I feel like I'm a little bit ahead of you. Like I, I have my transplant now, my kids are a little bit older, but I feel like we're still kind of walking along this journey together. And so um um, you use the word guide. I see myself as someone who is walking alongside you, but still kind of going through it. You know, like I talk about PD and peritoneal dialysis. And I think when I went through it, how much I wanted to have someone to talk to as well. 
Um, and you're right, there is a ton of clinical information online. And, you know, I go to all my appointments armed with questions. Um, but then it's those moments where you feel like, did it cramp up for you, you know, when you'd first do the drain? Or does like, how do you how do you shop for clothes? Because suddenly now I feel pregnant, and my back and, and I'm having trouble breathing and I'm sometimes cramping, but like, those are the kinds of questions I wanted to have someone to talk to. And so um, hearing you share about that is, um, it brings me back to some of that and kind of reminds me of that journey. But, you know, as a, as a kidney transplant recipient now, you know, I, I am praying that, you know, that works out for you as well, but um, it's, it's a privilege for me to kind of walk alongside along that journey. You also use the word like being private and yet it's a very public disease because I remember going through the same thing where I felt like I really just did not want to tell people about it. And it's, it's very much in my culture also. Like we just don't like to impose on people and yet you're depending on someone outside of you for something huge. And so it's, it's scary. It's scary to go public. At first I didn't go public. I just kind of told a few people, close friends. And then at some point my husband said to me, you know, you've just lost two potential donors. And so you're going to have to get way more public about this. You know, I was keeping people updated on my CaringBridge website. And then I turned that into a blog because people kept asking me, you know, do you have a donor yet? Um, how are you feeling? Can you eat? You know, all, all kinds of questions. And most of the time it was, I have no news. I'm just in this period of waiting. And for you, I think you were able to put off dialysis for a long time. So I liked kind of living through that with you. And when I did PD, I remember when I started, I, I had all those questions like, what what PD belt do you use to hold the catheter? And there's just like tons of options online, but I wanted to talk to somebody to see, well, what worked for you? And, you know, I ended up finding my own way, but also wanting to share that. Uh, so. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's really, it's been good. I think we've been connected for a good two, three years now. It's really amazing to hear, you know, how long you two have been connected and, you know, you've had so much impact on each other, but do you feel like you're talking all the time? Like, what does that look like for your relationship? Like, how do you two communicate? What's typical for you? You know, we're just checking on one another. If I realize it's been, you know, a couple of months or if I have something that I need to ask, I send a message. You know, I set up a, an appointment and then we we call each other based on, on the appointment time. And, and Doris has been gracious enough, you know, talk to me 20, 30 minutes. And, and I think part of it, too, what makes it really successful for me, at least, is the fact that we didn't just keep it about the dialysis, you know, because it's a serious thing, but we catch up on each other's families. We never met before, but we started talking about, you know, I have a a, a teenage son, and so we talk about what, what's happening in our kids' lives and being able to catch up and say, you know, how's your son doing today? How's this doing? So this it makes it more like a relationship rather than just, you know, about a disease. So um, I really appreciate that. It sounds like also that had such a big impact on you on how to talk about the kidney disease with your children and your family. And if you've never experienced it before, I think having someone who maybe has done that already is really helpful, right? That was extremely helpful because now my children know what I do. So it's not a surprise. You know, they'll ask me how how it's going, you know, and stuff like that. So we're going through it together. So 
I'm very thankful that there was you helped me to find the language to be able to communicate, you know, at their level. And we have a somewhat an understanding, you know, they know what's happening and it's not as scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it being a struggle for me too, because, you know, at church, you know, once, once I did cast the net wider and we kind of publicly announced it, people were constantly coming up to me, like, how are you doing? They were going up to my husband. Um, and, but I kind of wanted to tell people like, don't approach my kids too much. Like, I don't want them to see that this is something really, really huge in a way that would scare them. And so sometimes talking to Nuska, I would say, you know what, I'm not sure I knew how to do it right either. Um, and that that was okay. Like it kind of normalizes this experience that yeah, we just do the best we can. And we want our kids to understand but not, you know, to the point where it's kind of freaking them out either. And even though my kids are maybe, you know, five years older than yours, Nuska, um, I, our kids are doing such different things. So right. it's fun to hear about what your son is doing which is very different than what my kids are doing. And then plus, <laughs> I don't know why, but there's something about you having a daughter. I'm always asking you, like, what girls do? I don't know what it's like to have a girl, you know? And uh, I think especially when my boys got to their teen years, I and I see my friends with daughters, and they're going shopping, and they're doing the makeup thing and all of that. Like, what is that like? You know? So there definitely is a friendship there. And like, yes, kidney disease is not the only thing that defines us. We have so much more other things going on. So, you know, it's fun to talk to you, Nuska, about all of that. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'd love to know a little bit about what kind of impact has it had for you, Nuska, in making decisions about your kidney disease? Like, what kind of questions did you have in the beginning? Like, did you even know what to ask in the beginning of a mentor? No, I, I didn't. I think um, my main concern was to acceptance, you know, because I'm young and I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do any recreational drug. And how did I get here? So it took me a long time to get behind this and, and accept it and, and figure out, okay, how do I live with this? You know, because I would think it based on lifestyle and no one in my family has kidney disease. So it was very hard for me to accept it. So once I started speaking with someone that has it. And also I think those you helped me to understand, like you made you you gave me some anecdotes, some examples how you work your your program. You know, you 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 integrate the you know the treatment into your life. You explained to me, you know, sometimes you did it in your car. You you know, just making sure that, you know, it's part of my life. And I think I've adapted that mindset as well, you know, to just like not let it be a, a third person that comes in into my, my house, you know, disrupt everything, but rather that, you know, one more thing that we add onto our schedule, you know, and stuff. So it, it's not intrusive. So it's part of our lives, you know, so I create a schedule and, and it's part of our, my regular routine and stuff. So I think that helped me accept it more, you know? So I think your approach really helped me. Yeah. I think also, cause I had read that somewhere where somebody on peritoneal dialysis, like went on this, you know, days long boat trip. And I thought, 
I guess you can work dialysis into your normal life. Like you can't stop living. You can still do the things you loved. And so, so I did that. And so I was very happy to share that, but yeah, I would go on trips and then, you know, realize I can pack all my, my dialysis um, solution and tubes and everything with me and not feel like I have to start. It's a, it's a new normal, but, but you work it in. So it is a normal life. You, you know, don't deny yourself all the things that make you, that bring you joy and keep you active and keep you moving. So that's the beauty of PD. Um, and, and so I was happy to share that. And I also wanted to be like very real, like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes the cramping really hurts. And, but this is how I deal with that. And, you know, when I get into this certain position that helps, and there've been times where I just couldn't stop it, but talk to my nurse and, and she helped me through that. And, adjust some things. So um, yeah, it's just part of the overall experience. And so to be able to share that with someone else is, it's really nice because I like knowing that, yeah, there, there are ways that you can work through whatever it is. And, and also Nuska, you're just such a positive person. Like you just have such a positive attitude. Like you'll say, yeah, I've had my ups and downs and, um, but you work through it and you're surrounded by good people too. And, um, and you're such a good mom and wife. And yeah, thank you. Doris, it sounds like, you know, you've, in this mentoring role, you've really been like a role model for Nuska and you, you keep it pretty real. I mean, I think Nuska, you mentioned before, like, you know, the doctors and the clinical staff and Doris, you mentioned, there's so much clinical information out there, but unless you have that firsthand experience, it can kind of still feel overwhelming at times for folks. And you know, what's it really going to be like? I've gotten questions like people are like, what does the alarm sound like at night? Is it going to, you know, wake my partner up? Or how loud is it going to be? Or, you know, how full am I really going to feel? Like, what does that really feel like? And I think unless you've done it before, you can't really answer that. Um, and I think that's one of the benefits of what a mentor can do. They have that firsthand experience. And, you know, they can share their experience and it might not be the same for everyone, but just to know that someone else has been there can be kind of like a relief. So, you know, I know, you know, you guys have been talking a lot about how you've connected and you guys have been connected since 2019 and it's 2022 right now. So that's a pretty incredible length of time. And um, I did kind of want to talk a little bit about how you know, it works on our end on how we match people. Typically what we do, you know, we get applications online, people come to our website, kidney.org backslash peers, and they fill out an online application, or they give us a call 855-NKF-PEERS. And, you know, we find out a little bit about themselves, what's important to them, where they're at, you know, were they someone like you, Nuska, who, you know, hadn't started on dialysis yet, or, um, you know, are they, someone who needs a transplant or are they already on dialysis and having a hard time adjusting. And then we take that information and we get their availability and we try to match them with a mentor who's going to be right for them. And I always say it's a little bit like online dating. Like we do the best job that we can to pair people up. Yes. And we have really good matches like you two. <laughs> and they are, they're relationships. Um, and they they can last for quite some time. So you guys are a great example of that. And sometimes people just have basic questions like, you know, how do I get on the transplant list? Like, what's the biggest hurdle? Or, you know, can what what can I eat? Um, and we always provide additional resources too for folks. But you know, people don't have to speak as long as you two do. <laughs> we don't 
force any length of relationship on there either, which I think is good. You know, and I would just add to that. Um, there have been periods where Nuska and I have talked more often and then other times where there's just been many months, you know, in between. Um, but the point is, is that she knows I'm always available and she just sends a text, you know, through the peers app and she lets me know, like, this is coming up, you know, can we can we touch base? And so so there's you know, there's just so much freedom and flexibility. And, and I've had people where we connect one time and I answer a question. And then for other people, you know, like Nuska, you know, we actually have this friendship. And, and so um, so it works out that way as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, it is so different in every relationship and what people want out of the mentoring experience. And that's kind of what we let people decide on their own, you know. Um, and it's nice that you two can have that ongoing relationship and, you know, just touch, touch base in the app and, um, you know, communicate that way and then also have phone conversations on the app too. So I have one question because sometimes I hear people being a little bit hesitant to to be paired up with someone that they've never met before. I mean, I know you go through this little vetting process to find the appropriate match, but at the same time, Nuska had no idea who she was going to be paired with. So I wanted to ask you, Nuska, did that give you pause? Were you a little bit uncertain about that or you felt better? Because sometimes people want to know someone they've kind of at least know a little bit, seen from afar. Um, but here you are being matched with a total stranger. If I recall correctly, I think they gave me the option um, of several people and the person said, you know, if you, if it doesn't work out, give us a call and we'll pick someone else. And, you know, I say a prayer and I call and we started chatting and, and we haven't stopped since. So, I, you know, that was unique to my experience, but, you know, I didn't have a need to call back to be paired with someone else. And I think we took it easy the first couple of times that we spoke. You know, I, I expressed the main thing that was on my mind were how to communicate to my children, you know, because I knew things were progressive rather quickly and I wanted to get in front of it. I think that was the main thing for me. And then I expressed it to you. And the fact that you expressed to me how you you dealt with it as a family, it helped me to be able to get the framework going and also having the people come over and have the meeting here. And I think the kids understand, you know, that we're dealing with it as a family. I felt like our stress was evaporated because we weren't having separate communication, you know, between my husband and I and the kids knowing that something is happening. So I felt like the support having spoken with you and you sharing with me how you dealt with it, because I had no clue, you know, what to say, how to say it. From the moment that my kids knew what was going on, I kind of felt like now I can take care of myself. I can face it, so to speak, because I wasn't accepting it because I was like, I didn't do anything to deserve this. Why am I here? And, and stuff like that. So I think I, you know, was able to walk through that and be able to find help to be able to help myself to take care of myself, you know, because it was progressing quickly. I know I, it took me a while to start dialysis because to this day, I still have some kidney function. It's about functioning about seven, you know, so it's another thing to figure out when do you start dialysis? You know, that was another thing that I had. And I think I've called you a couple of times on that, you know, and you, even when I was telling you I'm, I'm at 15, you're like, oh, usually they started already, but for some reason you weren't. And again, 
it's tailor-made for each individual. Some people start at 15 and I, I didn't start until seven because I still had, you know, my numbers were okay. My doctor was waiting for me to display certain symptoms before they would put me on. It was going down and then I decided to start dialysis. That's something that everyone has to decide for themselves when it's the right time. And come to find out, starting at seven, I have a lot more energy. I felt like I waited too long because I was suffering needlessly because I was waiting for signs and symptoms to tell me that it was time to start dialysis when in fact I didn't have to wait. I could have started because it made a tremendous difference. My energy level is different. My appetite is different. My skin, my my spirit, my mood, you know, because your organ is shutting down, you know, and you're not processing things. But with the dialysis, you know, you get some toxicity comes out, you know, and stuff. So you have more energy, more color. So, you know, I'm glad that I decided I didn't wait, you know, for the symptoms, you know, to tell me it's time to start, that I made the decision to start, you know, before my kidneys were completely, you know, shut, you know, and stuff. So I think you bring up a good point too, about like, what can a peer mentor do or not do, you know, and, you know, you could probably, Doris, did you share like you when you started dialysis? Because I know that's typically something that like, you know, a doctor is going to like advise you about when it's going to be best for you based on your labs. But, you know, they can certainly share when they, when they started dialysis or what it was like for them. So I think that's an important distinction to make. Yeah. So I, you know, I shared with Nuska when, when I started, but that it, you're, you're right, Nuska, it's very much an individual decision based on a conversation between you and your doctor. And so for her, it was different for me and mine was probably later than other people, um, given my circumstances of, you know, almost having a, a donor and then backing out at the last minute, you know, so every story is different. You know, I'm happy to share my experience, but it always goes back to you and your doctor. And I think what's important for everyone to know too, is that, you know, you, Doris, and all of our mentors all go through training too, because we want our mentors to know exactly that, you know, what people can and can't expect from sharing your story. Um, You know, like you said, every experience is so individual, but still sharing that is so impactful on people's lives. Um, and our training is fairly extensive. You know, it's about four hours long. Um, it's all done online so people don't have to go anywhere. Um, but, you know, it is really important to make sure that you as a mentor also feel ready to be a mentor to other people. It's a big undertaking. And I think, Doris, I'd like to know from you a little bit about you know, how has being a mentor impacted your life? I love being a mentor and I see it more as a supporter. I am a supporter mentor. Um, Sometimes, you know, I can share, you know, what's worked for me. And other times I have felt like, I I don't really know. That was a tough one to deal with. That's a good question, Nuska. And I feel so much gratitude because it reminds me, well, it reminds me how tough it was, but also just the ability to not let my experience go to waste and to be able to share some of the lessons I've learned along the way. So I I just really enjoy doing this and just to be able to encourage someone else. Because when I was going through it, you know, I really wished that I had some people to talk to. And I scoured the internet like 
I want to read some stories, some blogs, some anything, you know, and I have since found we have an online chat where a lot of people share their personal experience, but I didn't know about it then. But also just being connected to somebody. um, I wish I had that. So I love that I can do that now. And I have to be honest. Also, I think part of wanting to share my experience just with others is driven a tiny bit by kind of the frustration I had as a patient and just feeling kind of let down because I had a doctor who said, no, it's too early to get on the transplant wait list. And then I went and got a second opinion. He said, you should absolutely get on the wait list. And then another doctor who said, oh, maybe in three years, you might need um, a kidney transplant. And I said, well, I've been charting my GFR and, and, and according to the trajectory, it's it's more like six months, you know, and it, sure enough, it was six months. So there's a sense that patients just need to be equipped. They need to advocate for themselves. They need to ask the right questions. And so for me to be able to be a peer mentor supporter, I think that has been very empowering for me as an advocate and also feels good to be able to pass that on and share that with other patients. Absolutely. That's incredible. And we're so happy to have you as a mentor. Um, and we have lots of other mentors too. So well, it's a great program. You you guys do a really good job. I mean, after the four hours, we feel much more equipped without the pressure of feeling like we have to give advice because we don't, we don't want to. And, um, and if there's any of us who want to, we shouldn't, you know, that's not our role. I think that's such an important point of what you're saying, like advice versus personal experiences are two totally different things. And I think we emphasize really highly on the training that people need to go back and, you know, speak to their healthcare team and how to have a good relationship with that healthcare team and making sure that people have the information about, you know, if they aren't having a good, you know, relationship, like what are some questions you could be asking or empowering them to be active members in their healthcare, right? I do want to point out that May is Mental Health Awareness Month and, you know, sometimes people who have chronic conditions like kidney disease can also face mental health struggles like depression or anxiety, but sometimes that goes overlooked or undertreated while, you know, they're trying to work through their physical needs of a new diagnosis or treatment of something like kidney disease and trying to figure out what to do next. And it can be really overwhelming. And, you know, there have been some studies on treating depression while you're on dialysis. And we'll include those links in case anyone wants to go back to check out some of that information. But, you know, did either one of you have any struggles like depression or anxiety while dealing with your your kidney disease? Or have you felt like mentoring had an impact on that? I did have anxiety going through the process with peritoneal dialysis. So you know, even though I knew I was going to do it. And at the same time, the hospital for the transplant, they wanted to overlap the appointment because I guess there is a series of um, tests you have to take medication at the, when you get an implant, you know, the, the transplant that the kind of, they need to do testing and stuff like that. I, it all felt overwhelming. And I had to say, stop. You know, I was in the office and I say, no, 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 I can't. I have to, you know, focus on if I'm starting dialysis, let me get acclimated with that aspect of it because uh, it's a lot. Um, I'm going to do the training and then I'm going to learn, you know, how to take care of myself, how to do the process. So I, I couldn't 
focus on a transfer because I don't have a, a a donor yet and stuff. So I think though is you know speaking about you know being an advocate for yourself and I had to say I couldn't do this. So they gave me until October to get myself situated with this part and then we can take a look at the transplant aspect, you know, what the preparation is in the event that I get a transplant. So I think being able to say this is too much, you know, because at the end of the day, you're the one that's going through it day in, day out. So you do have to be your best advocate and say, you know, no, this is too much. I can only focus on one thing at a time. And I think that was the best decision for me. You know, now I feel like I have the the training you know, and I'm doing it well. And now I can focus on the next part. It sounds like you were very empowered to be able to manage all of the things that were coming at you at once. You know, that's pretty amazing to be able to say, hey, I need a second to adjust to one thing at a time. And not everyone might be able to say that. So good for you. Thank you. I think for me, uh, feeling like when they say information is power, it it is for me. I felt like as long as I had something to do, a question to ask people to see, you know, I go to my appointments armed with those questions. I felt like there was something I could do. But, you know, when you can't do anything and there's no one to talk to, it's kind of in the middle of the night, especially when the PD machine starts to (laughs) whir and buzz and then it wakes you up and then you're just lying there. So I would say in the middle of the night, that was the hardest because um, that's when you don't feel like you can just go online and have people to talk to. You're lying there. And those are the times when I would cry and I would have these conversations with God. And I felt like I would I found myself saying, like, God, could you. Because I remember reading, you know, statistics from my transplant center, you know, for every year that you're on dialysis, that's a 10% chance of dying. And so, like, does that mean in five years, there's a 50-50 chance that I'll still be here? Um, I knew that I was, you know, for me, the numbers um, might be better because I'm on the healthier side of, you know, that whole group. But um, you're living with uncertainty. And I remember saying to God one time, like, okay, could you at least keep me alive so that I could meet my grandchildren? You know, and my kids were maybe about, you know, 15, 18 at the time. And I just thought, you know, keep me alive for another 10 years or maybe five years or whatever. It Well, not five years, not that I wanted my kids to have kids in five years. But, you know, there's I'm, I'm negotiating with God because I'm in this um, moment where I'm realizing, you know, my life and, you know, mortality. And I don't know what this kidney disease is going to look like. I had had um, three or four uh, living donors that fell through at that point, some at the 11th hour. So there was this sense of, I don't want to have too much hope because you're just setting yourself up for a bigger fall. Um, And so those were the toughest times um, for me. And so that's where support really, really helps. You know, I had lots of friends, you know, when, once I, as much as I didn't want to share about my kidney disease and need for a kidney, once I did, the flood of support came in and that's what I really needed. Um, and so I always encourage people, you know, share about it. And I, and I talk so much about advocating for myself. Sometimes I couldn't, sometimes you're not in a point where you can, because you're just so exhausted and you're tired and you're, Um, and, you know, maybe you're a little bit mad at life. I had um, what I call my advocate team, you know, my kidney team. I had people around me who got educated enough about the whole transplant process 
and that I have publicly said, if you are interested in um, getting tested for me or just learning more, here are some people you can talk to. And that just took the pressure off of me um, and took the pressure off of people not feeling like they might consider, but then might change their mind. Like they would have the freedom to change their mind if they talked to, you know, some of those people anonymously. And they never told me who approached them. And I, you know, I didn't want to know because I wanted people to, to have the freedom, yeah, to be able to talk to um, these friends of mine. One was a nurse, another was one of my pastor, who I found out later on, she got tested for me as well. So just like these stories of goodness, I mean, that's what gives you hope, the goodness of people who, um, and then sometimes there are people you don't even know that well. That is incredibly inspiring and encouraging. Um, and so, you know, crises bring out the best in people. And that is, you know, some of what keeps you going. Yeah. And I think you brought up such a good point, Doris. Like, it can be really hard to share that information right away with people, especially if you're a private person, even if you're not a private person, like it's daunting to kind of even start to have a conversation about your health. And so I think, you know, what, one of the things that's nice is that, you know, people can be kind of anonymous in this program. You know, you're not meeting up in person and you're learning each other's first names, but you know, you're not exchanging all your personal contact info and becoming brunch buddies or anything, you know, but it can be empowering to start that process with someone that maybe you don't know personally. And once you see that kind of build up and hear from them, like, what did they do? You can start to have those conversations with some ease with other people that you are more familiar with, or, you know, you have more personal relationship with. So I think it's kind of like starting, starting anything. Starting is the hardest part, right? Did you find that, Nuska? Actually, that's exactly how it worked for me because, you know, the people that I knew, they know how I am. I don't talk about personal stuff. And, um, so speaking with Doris, I know she I knew she was far away, you know, I'm in Massachusetts and she's in another state, you know. So it was someone I had no plan of seeing or meeting. So the anonymity made it it feel safer for me to be able to be vulnerable, to share what I was feeling. I think I felt safer to be able to express my fear, doubt, my insecurities about this disease and have her share her experience with me. The more that we spoke, the easier it became to be honest about what I was feeling, where I was, because this is someone I may never meet face to face, you know? So it worked for me that way because I, I would get shy and, you know, you, you feel a, a fear of judgment. So this was someone that's new and, you know, I was making some changes as well to be able to learn to speak about this because I need help. I need to know how to navigate this new chapter of my life. So I'm very grateful to you, Doris. And I just want to let you guys know too, I'm taking my first trip. Oh, yay! That's great. We're going to Florida, so I'm traveling with my PD. Oh, good. <laughs> so, All right. So I'm excited to see how. It, and the treatment center, they help you to understand, to um, make it part of your life. And, you know, whatever you usually do, do with you know um we've, we've we can talk it through and figure out the best way to make it happen so and i'm i'm working in a way that you know i'm i'm something completely new not without being without fear usually fear is a is a you know 
um, a, a barrier for me to from doing different things. And I find that, you know, I'm decided I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to tackle this head on. And we're taking our first trip and I'm going to see how it goes, you know. Well, that is awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. And it just goes to show how far you've come in managing your kidney disease. And even though you started on dialysis, it sounds like you have made strides in so many things. You're still working and you're doing dialysis and now you're traveling. Traveling is stressful enough and you're mothering. Mothering is already a full-time job. So, you know, that's a lot to take on. And it sounds like you're doing it with, you know, a lot of good adjustment. So it's awesome. So I really thank you both for not only being incredible people and partnered up and speaking about your relationship with your mentoring together, but is there anything else that you'd like to tell to anyone who maybe is just learning about peer mentoring? Yeah, I I would say, you know, definitely make the call and make the connection. And if it doesn't work out, you know, it doesn't work out, but you know, you may find just um, a connection to someone that can really, um, encourage you and walk alongside you and and they will be encouraged as well so i would say the same thing too because this is a lonely disease and you need people in your life you know to especially people that has gone through it or are going through it you know i can't overemphasize how important support is to have people that speak the same language that you know and when i call doris and say you know it was a rough night like i don't need to expand on it she understands what I mean. And that that means a lot. It's to your betterment to speak up and to give this program a chance. And uh, hopefully you'll find someone. It, it doesn't have to be a long relationship, but someone you can express what you're going through and that they can check up on you and help you get the help that you need. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to add, you know, because kidney disease is, and it's been said many times, it's a disease of loss. You know, we think about, well, I've lost my kidney function, but that may affect your work, which may affect your income, which may affect your, you know, your relationship with your spouse, with, you know, it just affects you. There's so much that you often lose in the process. And so to have, there's nothing like talking to someone who's been through that or is going through that. So that's a very valuable, the shared experience is powerful. Absolutely. And I think that portion of the loss comes grief. And so that's very easy to translate into depression. And, you know, so I think when we talk about, you know, kidney disease, talking about mental health, they go hand in hand and talking, talking to anyone can be really helpful. But like you said, that shared experience and Nuska, like you said, I don't have to explain everything. I don't have to take the time to educate someone about what is, you know, being on dialysis really like when there are other people who have already, they know that baseline, they know that info. So that takes off some of that pressure. Well, thank you both so much for being here. It was great to talk to you both and your relationship is so inspiring and it's been wonderful to work with both of you. And I appreciate your time so much. If you'd like to talk to someone or become a mentor yourself, please visit kidney.org slash peers. You can also call 855-653-7337 or email us at nkf peers at kidney.org. 
Before we end the episode, we want to give a shout out to six-year-old Marina. She recently celebrated four years with her transplant after receiving the gift of life from a veteran and her dad, Mario. Congratulations on being four years kidney strong, Marina. Thank you for listening. Make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also email us directly with your comments and suggestions at nkfpodcast at kidney.org. We hope you will join us next time. And from all of us at NKF, we wish you good health.